From Moses, the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, this is the In Her Boots podcast, a show about women cultivating the sustainable and organic agriculture movement and how she does it. My name is Lisa Kiverest, and I founded and lead the award-winning Moses In Her Boots project, providing training, resources, and support for women farmers. I'm a farmer myself, running in serendipity with my family in Wisconsin, and am the author of Soil Sisters, a toolkit for women farmers. The In Her Boots podcast celebrates the collaborative spirit of us women farmers and all women working to transform our food system and steward our land, sharing ideas and inspiration with each other. Whether you're a woman with a dream of starting your own farm or already have your hands deep in the soil, there's something for you here. Be sure to subscribe so you won't miss anything. We're continuing with Hallie Webking of Meadowlark Organics to talk about how she direct markets her local grains and how to identify and manage legal risk. It's all about education, Hallie advises, especially when working with bakers to try something new. Hallie Webking and her husband John run Meadowlark Organics, working with Paul Bickford on his 800-acre farm, shifting the focus from organic feed crops to a diversity of food-grade small grains, buckwheat, edible dry beans, and open-pollinated corn. Hallie is mom to two young kids, Henry and Lida, and a grass-fed beef herd, just to make sure she keeps busy. We are here with Hallie Webking of Meadowlark Organics, continuing our conversation about grains and all the various aspects to it. This is so interesting because as, as you've been sharing with us, it's like the oldest, newest thing, right? And we've always been <laughs> growing this, but you're reinventing it in new ways and you're also redefining community in new ways, right? Yeah. As far as where the grains go and how they're used, but it is resurrecting a lot of heritage crops and heritage baking, arguably, too, right? Yeah, for sure. Techniques. And so educating your customers has been a big part because you do a lot of direct marketing right yeah. direct sales yeah. how do things do you have a, I mean, is it half and half or as far as wholesale or mm-hmm. is it well or would we you rather grow that more yeah we we do um, move a lot of grain um in our wholesale our wholesale customers so madison sourdough buys a blend of our grain that they mill at their bakery and origin breads uses 100 percent of our flour in their breads so those are kind of the two biggest um, accounts or ways that we sell grain. But I think it sometimes feels like we have a greater impact in our direct-to-consumer sales um, because word of mouth is a powerful thing. And um, we get real home-baking converts. Um, yeah. So, you know, people who are really passionate about uh using our flour and you know sometimes it's surprising sometimes it's people who are down the road from us and sometimes it's people who are you know um in the cities and urban environments like we ship 50 pounds of flour to this woman outside of chicago like almost every other month i don't it's crazy to me but you know i think with it comes a lot of uh education um both in our wholesale and our uh retail or you know direct sales um just because it's Stone ground, freshly ground flour is a different a different animal. It's a different beast from um, what you find in a grocery store on a and grocery store shelf. people are used shelf. to it. Yeah. And I think really that's also part of one reason why we haven't pushed really hard to get on the shelf at grocery stores is because the conversation is really important to us. That's interesting. Sure. Because yeah. if you miss that, 
Yeah. And people don't read the label right. exactly. Most or they just don't, don't know. <laughs> yeah. And they let it sit too long. What happened? Does, does grain get rancid then or it just yeah. doesn't taste as good? Yeah. The, you know, the oils in the, in the bran and the endosperm too, you know, that part of the grain kernel um, can go off. They're just higher yeah. in, higher in oils. And so they need to be ideally kept cool or, you know, consumed quickly. And fresh flour tastes better, and it you know is 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 better for you in a lot of ways. Yeah. So you found for now until the local grain movement really takes off that that it helps managing risk if you can directly educate your customers yeah. and make that connection, like you're saying at the market or right uh, talking directly. Yeah. Yeah, because all oh, it makes sense because if somebody picks something up anonymous they just don't know sure. and then it doesn't taste like it's supposed to right and doesn't act and like it's supposed annoyed. to <laughs> yeah <laughs> and they're never going to come back and buy it again um but if you know if you're talking to somebody at a farmer's market and you can say you know these are tips and these are you know what we think are the best uses for these specific types of, of flour um then people feel more comfortable experimenting and more comfortable coming back with feedback and talking about what worked or didn't for them. So when you talk about specifics on how to experiment, that probably goes a long way too, right? In that you have this portfolio of different grains. Mm-hmm. What are some of the ones you grow again? Yeah. Um, we're, we're, ta- we're not talking white flour, sure, right? We're no. Talking- yeah, I mean, we do grow some modern varieties that are kind of our workhorses that have, you know, larger yields out in the field and are good producers. Um, but we grow some heritage varieties like turkey red and red fife and also spelt, which is basically an ancient cultivar of uh, wheat um, and rye, too. So uh, a big variety and each of them and even year to year, they're all different. So um our turkey red last year was a really high protein, so we recommend it for bread flour. Our red fife was less high, so and it has a particularly like caramely flavor. Um, so we recommend it for sweeter baked goods. Um, so you know it kind of goes. I don't know. There, there's a lot of uniqueness, which oh, yeah. some people get excited about. Some people are intimidated by. But we always say, too, like, you don't have to use 100% of our flour in a recipe. Like, start with 25%. Oh, Add sure. a quarter cup and see if you That's notice That's what I did when I first tried your spelt flour because yeah. it was so new to me. Yeah. And eh, I can understand, too, uh, individual home baker wants to manage their risk, right? And not sure. have a whole batch of something turn out a way they don't want. But that blending of your flowers and local flowers into people's normal accepted recipes yeah, sure. is a good that's a really good piece of advice yeah and really i mean if every home baker used 25% local flour in whatever they produce that would make a big impact like that's actually a large amount of the market you know um so it doesn't have to be 100% all the time. Obviously, that's our goal. We certainly bake 100% with our flour all the time. But our our expectations have shifted, and we also have the experience to know um, how to make things, how to adjust recipes or whatever. Yeah. Um, and you do other value-added products, too? Or like you mentioned, I mean, polenta, I wouldn't... It's yeah. a grain still, right? It's I mean, corn. Yeah, it's yeah. just a coarser cornmeal um, mm-hmm. and edible dry beans. So a couple heirloom varieties and black beans too. Do you do other mixes or like pancake No, we mixes haven't really gotten or... into that. Yeah. Lonesome Stone does some pancake and like muffin mixes. Um, it's something we might pursue down the road. But mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. The um, What area do you find 
introduction portal for somebody who's curious. Do you know? I mean, I mm-hmm. pancakes. Pancakes. Oh, oh, that's that's a really yeah yeah. Pancakes. Because they're simple, but they're simple. Uh, why, why else? Um, because you can really taste the flour in oh, it. Oh, yeah. Something you start to pay attention to. Um, and what were you saying about somebody commenting yeah, they're too flavorful? Literally, there was somebody who came into our cafe. I remember my server, one of my servers came up to me and was like, someone doesn't like the pancakes. I was like, what? <laughs> she was like, yeah. She's like, can you go talk to him? So I went over, and he had eaten half of them, admittedly. But he was like, there's something different about these. There's just... I don't know. And I was like, well, we use local flour and we actually find that this batch tastes a little cinnamony. You know, it has a little bit of spiciness to it, but in a sweet way. I said, you know, there's there's more flat, more more nutrition and more flavor in these locally grown fresh milled flours. And he was like, yeah, that's it. There's too much flavor. <laughs> I was like, I can't believe you said that. Um so that's always been some kind need of a more joke. education than yeah. others. But and he also, I mean, it's not like he took one bite. I think he may have ended up liking it in the end but um <laughs> but you know he didn't know why it didn't taste like bisquick pancake mix yeah but or look like that assuming you're open-minded on flavor sure pancakes can use different kinds of grains yeah right? definitely um you know you can do a blend it pancakes are also really um happy with whole wheat flour um the you can adjust your recipe make it a little add a little more milk or whatever so the bran can absorb that extra hydration. Um, but really, pancakes are kind of like the gateway. There's, there's <laughs> the gateway a, to local grain. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. There's a woman, her name is Amy Halloran, and she wrote a book called The New Bread Basket, kind of talking about all these different regional grain systems that are popping up all over the country and the history of grain in America and how we got to where we are and how we need to change but she's like the pancake lady and she she that's the way that she proselytizes is by making whole grain stone ground you know pancakes and converting people sure that makes total sense and then i would think too as a second step would be maybe more quick breads or you know uh-huh. the, yeah, the kind of the pinnacle is the breads themselves i say sure. that as like a perpetual struggling bread baker it's not that it's not it's, it's more science yeah definitely and i'm used to making muffins at the bed and breakfast and right you just follow a recipe and it's fine yeah but breads are their own league yeah and there's there's definitely more like technical just i mean there's more science there you have to pay closer attention to the numbers like your you know the very technical things are like your ash content, your falling number, your protein, which are things that home bakers don't really know. There. Yeah, but, I mean, protein level. Could. Yeah, definitely. And there are so many good books and resources out there. Um, but if you, I don't know, for us, getting into like a bread bread baking is all about a routine, finding something that works into your life um, and that you can do regularly. Like it's... It's something that does take practice, but if you can do, if you can bake like two loaves every four days and give one away, you know, make friends with your neighbors um, and just get better at it. But well, it's a good practice. Yeah, you just have to know that, that it's not. You're not going to be an expert you like. at it. Yeah, right what away. your family likes that makes that makes so much sense. But yeah. to your point, it, you can help help your customers become better and more loyal customers by becoming better bakers. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely the education aspect. And I think that's one reason why we are unique is because we do have the cooking background. So both we like understand what chefs and bakers expect. Because both you and your husband, John, were 
working in restaurants. Cooks, yeah. Um, and then also being able to communicate with just home bakers and say like, yeah, we use this all the time and this is what works and these are the problems we have. And we've also had really cool opportunities um, through the Seed to Kitchen project through UW. They are starting to get into grain with Julie Dawson. And seed to Kitchen seed to is kitchen. for growing for home kitchens? Or no, this is like a, a seed... Um, seed breeding program that works with culinary professionals to find the best tasting and performing basically vegetable varieties Um, and they're also doing that with with wheat so there's a uw wheat breeding program but this last winter we were able to do a like a blind variety trial with madison sourdough where we did the same recipe with four different varieties of our grain and just blindly working with them and having to like guess at the end which was which oh. because they all behave really differently some of them take an extra like liter of water in the mix some of them take took more time so just um those kind of education opportunities for us personally is, has been really helpful and even then probably a lot of it has to do with personal taste right yeah i mean you may just like a denser bread or a right. lighter bread or a so many variables so there many it's, it sounds like, too, for your educational side of it to communicate that this is an experiment, right? right. And attract people who are interested in in that or, as you were saying, find your recipes, make them, practice them enough so you can be consistent yeah. in what you need and do. Mm-hmm. But uh, roll from there. All right. Great. I'm going to go home and bake <laughs> with my spelt. Nice. Thank you. Thanks for listening to our In Her Boots podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Kiverest, with the Moses In Her Boots Project. This episode's audio engineer was Liam Kiverest of TechSocket.net. The podcast was brought to you by the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, Moses. The mission of Moses is to educate, inspire, and empower farmers to thrive in a sustainable organic system of agriculture. For more information on Moses, In Her Boots, and a bounty of organic resources, check out MosesOrganic.org.